Welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. This is the podcast that gets people waffling about their mental health, coping mechanisms, life's minor inconveniences, and the music that soundtracks it all. So join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another episode of the Waffle Shop podcast today i'm joined by an absolute legend singer songwriter producer probably becoming my new best friend after this yeah brendan brown from wheatus welcome to the waffle shop thank you for having me this is a a cherished opportunity and i'm um, i'm very uh, grateful and uh, honored something because like the the teenager inside no that sounds really weird (laughs) but like the tea my inner my past version of taylor is what i would say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is probably screaming one, right 2. now. 2.0 maybe that's the one yeah it's screaming right now because you guys like soundtracked like my teens and and every other age that i've been through to be fair you've always been there so yeah. thank you sorry about that um <laughs> i i i uh i'm reminded this uh, in these ways that we've been around for a long time um it doesn't feel like it's been a long time um feels like it's been a very short time um time is uh well we could have another podcast about that. yeah <laughs> welcome but, to part six yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um I, I in any case whenever it comes back to us and however it comes back to us especially when it comes back this way we're reminded that we are human beings who do things and put them out there into the universe and that they should and could come back and be ready for that <laughs> i like that I felt yeah. that that was that was beautiful. Well, you know, when you're judged, you know, when you put your podcast out on the internet or you put yeah. your, uh, songs up on a YouTube video or whatever, uh, the world gets to say what they think of it, you know. Um, and it's not all positive all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to. It's part of the creative process. Is just, you get to a point where you think you've done a good enough job, and you have to go. You have Let to subject yeah. yourself to the masses and see what they say. You know. 
Um, so a lot of to be fair, never get past that, right? And it's a, it's a challenge. It's hard. Speaking of challenges and things being difficult, I start each one of my shows with something called the weekly waffle, Brendan. That is something. Okay. Sometimes it can be a little bit petty, but it gets on my nerves to a point that I feel like I need to waffle about it. That's what we're all about here at the Waffle Shop. Go on, then. So the thing that has been really winding me up, especially this week, is jobs worths. I don't know if you have them where you are. So it's those people who go above and beyond when it comes to their job. that, And they like to remind other people that they've gone above and beyond when it comes to their job and sometimes I mean I'm 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 all for people being passionate and people doing what they love but there is sometimes that you just think you you just just calm down a little bit (laughs) just 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 you know it's it's been a hard few years (laughs) yeah just do you know you're bringing up something the pandemic eliminated a lot of office culture right if I could drop into my New York vernacular for a second, <laughs> office culture. And, <laughs> and uh, what, what, what has happened is, is that the operators of office culture, those who don't necessarily know how to do anything but are very, very good at the political maneuvering inside of an office in a, personal, in a person-to-person dynamic, right? Yeah. It's a group. Some people are very, very good at that. And uh, I don't know. I can't speak for UK office culture. My only experience of that, to be honest, is a little bit of being in the Sony offices back in 2001 and uh, the uh, David Brent original uh, BBC office series, seasons one and two, and the Christmas special. So aside from that, my limited experience of UK office culture, but my American experience is pretty extensive. I worked in a lot of office jobs, and I am familiar with the type of worker, coworker who is not particularly good at any part of the actual job, but excels at the political maneuvering and is somehow always a little bit ahead of the game, getting others in trouble, coming out on top. Yeah. You're familiar with this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is your, this is the elaborate. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, this okay. is exactly so, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, that's my, I can have that as a pet peeve as well. You know, that leaves It's like you, you're there putting procedures in place. So then it's kind of, you follow the procedure. They don't follow the procedure and then they're telling you off for not following said procedure. And you're like, but if everyone just did what they were supposed to do and everyone just communicated. You know, I've never been as 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 bothered by contradictory because people are full of contradictions, right? We change oh, our minds. Time. We, we endeavor to do things we realize we didn't understand fully what the endeavor entailed. We have to modify our approach. We have to change the, the time frame. We have to figure out how much longer or how much less time it's going to take. Um, that happens all the time. What I'm more upset by is the sort of pedantic, very rulesy person who is obsessed with what has been said already about something and is like stubbornly adhering to this. Well, actually, you know, you were here when it changed. You know, you saw that it, that <laughs> things that things are different now because that was at nighttime and now the sun is up. You know, like the really simple that was, that like was three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like improvisation is part of human frailty. We we use improvisation to overcome our failure of imagination, right? You go, you go to do something, whether it's um, fulfilling a, a, an order for office printers for for a new yeah. company or um, getting the Apollo uh, 
lunar lander not to kill the occupants when it when it uh, bursts <laughs> into flames. That that those are real problems. Those are both real yeah. problems. And you know, we all fail to imagine what the endeavor is eventually going to be like, right? We can we can plot it out, we can plan it. None of us ever, not the best engineers at NASA or the worst managers of a deli in the Bronx will ever get it 100% right when no. they plan a sandwich or a lunar landing or anything, right? So some degree of improv is required to get across the finish line. It's people who don't really care much for that fact of life who are just like digging into the what should have been. You Stop said it. That it was good. Yeah, like that whole thing. Just is just go like, outside. Wow, man. Like, I mean, I don't know what you want from me as no human being who can ever make make predictions that are going to be good enough for your for your expectation. You know, like so. And 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 I think I think that that's another area where the where the politics can come in if somebody can make a really big pedantic point yeah. about something in a meeting. Oh boy, you know. <laughs> I believe we have to rename this to like the office shop. Yeah, call it, <laughs> call like, yeah. It, call it power shifters. Exactly. Get rid of that. Um, to be fair though, thank you for that. I feel better. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. is there is there anything that gets on your nerves that you would like to get off your chest? Um. Well, it's this bit. This is a bit broad, but I think that we're all facing uh, society at large. The whole entire world, perhaps, is facing a resurgence of uh, the disingenuous argument. Okay. Right? When you when you know when you know that you're wrong, but you see an angle to argue anyway, right? Yeah. <clears throat> this is the um, <laughs> right. This goes all now. Of course, not to get too dark, but this goes back to the the re-emergence of fascism, right? Um, there's a essay by uh, Jean-Paul Sartre who. Uh, it's called uh, Anti-Semite and Jew, which is this fascinating uh, deconstruction of the fascist argument, how it begins, <clears throat> how it develops, and how it's never really about who's right or wrong, yeah. but rather it's about the, the, uh, the perpetuation of a taunt. Ah, Some, okay. Somebody on one side is interested in getting to the truth and finding out what the facts are and having an answer. The other person is looking best to avoid the facts and have no answer and continue the taunt. To push it, yeah. Right. So I think that that has become popularized recently. It was always lurking, but and mass in our political ideologies and our campaigns and our, you know, um, Brexit, for instance. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> Sovereignty. Oh God! For... Don't do that. Not Sovereign... Sovereign... We've well, just well, got over that. <laughs> have you now? No, we're not. We're <laughs> I don't not. think you'll ever. Do you know what I haven't. I've just got back from Greece, and I've literally I had to use the the separate queue, and I'm watching all the Europeans like stroll right through, and I'm there yeah. in this big long ass queue. So no, I'm well, still not over it. To be fair. <laughs> well, somehow I don't feel like any of these sort of um, more famous or notable proponents of Brexit have such a hard time getting in and out of Belgium where they live or France or any yeah, of the other places exactly. that they have summer homes, you know, um, sovereignty for you folk, uh, <laughs> globalism for the rest of us, you know, that's, that's how, that's how they split it. They split it down the, down the classes, you know, so. I feel like I've learned so much already in such a short period of time. Yeah. Well, you I'm guys sure are literally, you're literally the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Teenage Serpent is a bit of a cockroach, I will admit. Um, it has it has survived. 
uh, a few nuclear winters. Um, a, f- a few. I feel like it, I feel like that song's going to be playing when the world has ended. But to be fair, it's it's one of the questions that I did actually want to, you know, I would I did want to ask you before we kind of like kind of dive into the history of like your journey and stuff like that. But mm. did you know at that time of writing Teenage Dirtbag that it was going to go on to be like this? It is soundtracked not only like movies but like people's youths and it's still do i mean it's i mean it must have like a resurgence like constantly i mean 2022 like it everywhere again yeah like um well i knew that it was a good song that it was a strong narrative that it was um a good sing-along and that it rocked uh but i had been in and out of enough uh false start situations yeah uh, actually uh full start situations where I was ripped off pretty badly during the nineties oh, wow. okay. uh, in other projects that I knew uh, it, that, that it didn't matter how good the song was on some level that a yeah. lot of the other things, a lot of other like sort of esoteric timing, time and place um, pieces had to fall in place. And <clears throat> um, I guess the, 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 the marked sensation of having finished the song in 95 or 96, whenever it was a completed work with all the lyrics was a little bit of um nervousness and uh, uh I, I could okay. say that I could say that I was scared um, yeah that something bad would happen to it yeah and not not the good thing that could be um because <clears throat> I had seen that so yeah um that would that would that's the accurate description I, I kind of knew it was strong but I was really worried that it wouldn't yeah see the, see the light of day and frankly uh when it came out uh, in the year 2000 here in America, it, it came and went very quickly. This is not very well known um, because it has gone on to do other things, but it yeah. came and went in that summer relatively quickly on American radio and was sort of, if considering the sort of post-Woodstock 99 new yeah. metal era, was kind of laughed at on American radio a little bit. As being okay. a little too, too, one foot in each world, pop, yeah. and heavy, heavy rock. So, um, we were uh, by the time it had come out and had its first uh, quarterly cycle of whatever being out amongst the world, <clears throat> uh, we were pretty scared that it was over in America, and uh, okay. and that was the that was that would leave us around uh, November, late November of two thousand. Is there moments now where you kind of you look back at you know with those fears and I guess that level of kind of like anxiety like you know it's going to be a bit of a flash in the pan to like especially now be like okay have you have you took a moment to be like we did something special with this um it's hard to see it that way I feel like the world has done something special with this yeah uh, I've often described this sensation that when we play it live, it doesn't belong to us; it belongs to the audience. Yeah. How they how they want it, how they need to hear it, is much more important than what we're feeling, or going through, or <clears throat> thinking that day. In terms yeah. of how loud we'd like to be, or what kind of a song we'd like to be, it's never, it's never out of, it's never in our hands one hundred percent. So back to the earlier conversation when you leave when you put something out there in a, in a creative endeavor you 
yeah. you know, to the world to be either hated or loved or somewhere in between. And this is a possessive feeling that I experience. That's not my possession, but it belongs to the audience listening to it. And I think that's because um, the way people see themselves in the narrative through the generations or across the gender spectrum, um, I think that that is the reason it survives and not its construction so much. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. Beautiful. It was a banger. It's an absolute <laughs> banger. Who's <laughs> what it is? Banger, mate. Exactly. <laughs> I'll forgive you for that accent <laughs> because of Sorry, how good that the was. Song somewhere, that, that started somewhere in, in Manchester, Liverpool area, and, and ended up in South Africa, Asia, somewhere. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. You know, I used to have a pretty good regional uh, dialectic switch. All of our crew in the UK are from Liverpool, and nice. after a, after yes. a week with those people, I'm I'm Scouse approved. <laughs> I, I'd I'd pass in a greasy spoon, um, you know, in Egbeth. But um, but I uh, and it, the same is true. With, you know, our merch uh, and fan club president is jane greenwood from birmingham and you know it's we very kinda... close to where i am yeah yeah okay so 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 we do we do when we travel we do get the accent back but it's been yeah. such a long time because of the pandemic we have not been able to get back to the uk so our accents are shite. <laughs> well this is my personal invitation to right. come on over yeah, we yeah, just come on down <laughs> yeah we need an update I love having a musical guest on the show purely because I like to hear how their journey started. What for for you, if we're gonna like rewind a little bit, like did you grow up around music or was there like a moment where you saw someone like perform or you heard a certain song and was like, that's what I want to do? Like how did that start for you? Well, music was big in the family. My grandmother sang all the time while cooking. My uh, father and father both played instruments. My father plays the drums. He's also a pretty good Irish tenor. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's no one's trained. No yeah. one ever did it professionally. My father sold cars. Um, my mother was a, an interior decorator, and my grandmother worked for a dermatologist. Everybody worked in the house. There was no yeah. no stay at home anybody. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, I think that earliest memories would go back to sort of my mother telling me oh yeah when whenever we put on bobby darren's mac the knife you would stand there in front of the mirror like just trying to be bobby <laughs> for a second. And he said when was that mom i was like two you were two years old so that's the earliest um, that? Mu musical memory um my parents always had fleetwood mac on the reel to reel i used to i used yes. to know how to cue, cue it up when i was four or five i used to be able to cue up secondhand news by myself um my uh my father loved led zeppelin and cream and um that stuff was always on uh either the cd player or the tape cassette in the yeah. car lots of huey lewis paul simon willie nelson uh bob marley um it's just quite uh, an eclectic kind of range then isn't it like yeah, of music yeah. my mother was really into doo-wop motown um the drifters white christmas their version um yeah anything and everything that had to do with um the temptations they were her favorite motown group um <clears throat> she taught me how to play my girl on the guitar when i was about eight she showed oh. me the, the picking she played a my mother played in a in a high school folk band and she had her nylon string 
sort of Joan Baez get up, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but aside from that, um, my brother and I played together early on. He was a student of the drums and I was started learning guitar around the age of eight and yeah. um, took a few lessons uh, at a local music shop. And it was about a month and a half or two months worth of lessons. And then I stopped and uh, started teaching myself ACDC and um, Dire Straits and um, eventually Metallica and Prince and Rush and uh, Yes. And <laughs> just about everything that there was to absorb, I really, by the age of 14, that was my primary, almost exclusive pastime, you know. Was there a moment when you were like, "This is this is what I want to do now"? Like, this is this is it. That's that's an interesting question. There was nobody in the family, no example to call upon for yeah. anybody who had like become a professional musician. So I didn't know anything about how that worked. <clears throat> Vague stories of selling your soul to the devil and stuff uh. like that. Like, <laughs> that. That was about as close as we had to any sort of a guide on how to do it. Um, but uh, joining into bands in college and playing New York City clubs, the first time I played CBGBs, I was 19. Um, those lessons came pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, and to, to the point where you understood that, oh, it's just this sort of working class practical matter of bringing your stuff to a club, setting it up quick, playing a good set, making sure your car doesn't get broken into or you can get home somehow. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Um, I had an amp stolen from the Stone Pony. I had another amp stolen on Bleecker Street. You know, um, all of the haunts uh, when I started frequenting them in New York City were still the same yeah. sort of rough neighborhoods that you that you hear of in lore. And uh, it was a it was a steep learning curve, but I eventually figured out how not to get your shit took. And and <laughs> uh, and I uh, <clears throat> I became a sort of reliable guitarist in bands. Uh, 1991, 92, 93, 94. I love hearing these kind of stories, especially with the people who have literally made like some of my like favorite songs of all time. How did then like those early days, like how did we just like begin? Like how, where, where did the name come from? Well, the name was, my father used to call us that when we were little kids. It's like um, a devolved version of the word little. Okay. When I say little kids, I mean infants, you know. Um, yeah. My brother and sister and I, he all, we all took turns being called Weedus, which was little, 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 which turned into Weedle, 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 which turned into Weedus, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it was just a, a baby talk and nonsense word that I thought that's a good band name because it doesn't mean anything to anybody. Yeah. So um, it was a clean slate, you know. Try not to say anything with your name. The Beatles got that clever moment locked. Yeah. Down, so <laughs> don't go there. Just you know. let them do their thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a very big believer, and I mean, like I mentioned it, you know, before we start recording. I think I mentioned it when we when I hit the record button that, especially teenage dirtbag. Um, and to fair, even Little Respect, like for me, have kind of, there have been those songs that I've kind of leaned on when, you know, they take me to a good place. They kind of remind me of the good times. They've got very, very good memories attached to them for me. With you, obviously, I know you're very open when it comes to like your journey. Has there been songs that 
have kind of soundtracked those moments for you? Oh, yeah. Um, I tend not to turn to um, mood-altering songs when I'm in a yeah. bad one. I tend to dive into <clears throat> the dark feelings and explore them. I think this yeah. has to do with the fact that um, I was very depressed and lonely in high school and didn't have uh, any respite from it. I went to a boys' yeah. Catholic school that was a, an hour and a half train ride from my house. Oh wow! Back, so I spent three hours commuting every day. Um, <clears throat> it was a it was a sort of up at dawn, in bed at night, friendless, yeah. socialless, opposite sexless. Mm. Um, There's uh, a lot of time to like, by yourself with your own thoughts as well, isn't it? Very much so. Very much so. I learned I learned how to talk to myself <clears throat> in ways that I still do. That I'm sure that people who haven't had that experience. Yeah would think were pretty strange um and in a sense when you for if your formative years are like that some part of it is going to exist into your yeah. later years it's hard it's i've done a lot of work with a therapist and all that stuff um regarding the violence when i was a little kid and um and a lot of other things but <clears throat> mostly i realized that i do have some redeemable survivalist uh outlooks or, or approaches yeah. to to relationships as a result of that and i i can try to bury them and uh form new neural paths and i do that's part of like therapy right you, you yeah. stop stop thinking what you've been thinking start thinking something else and for the time in between you don't really know who to be because you were so used to some mechanism that was just ready yep for anything right so you're, so you're for some time when you're reforming your mind you're not um you're not somebody you know yet in your adult yeah. which is very strange but that said um <clears throat> when it comes to anything that could become adversarial um and believe it or not i've had lots of business interactions that <laughs> in the music industry that <laughs> that <laughs> threaten to or actually yeah. do become adversarial. Um, I go to a place that is um, extreme survivalist mode, you know. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, prepared for anything, primal anything. And I don't necessarily lash out, although I did have a problem with that early on in our career. Um, I used to, I wasn't going to call it lashing out. I would say I, I didn't have any filter. Yeah. You know? At the record label, if somebody said, um, you know, we think it would be great if you uh, got uh, some leather pants and some biker boots and uh, a silk pirate shirt, you know, with the fluffy thing. Yeah. And got you. Instead of playing an acoustic guitar with this silly hat, why don't we uh, put you uh, on a Les Paul or Fender Stratocaster? And I would like, well, you know, I, I would well, literally say you. to, well, I would say, but the problem is there's lots of people who get signed to record deals who know how back to the political game again, yeah how to negotiate that energy into their advantage and i was like well how the fuck did that work out when you did it in your fucking band <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't see you wearing a pirate yeah. shirt and fucking cowboy boots dickhead like, your you shirt know, and the dry I mean, cleaners is it <laughs> yeah right i was just I was... so yeah sorry about that i'm pretty that is sure good. Oh, good. i'm pretty sure that during the course of this podcast recording i broke my own microphone <laughs> typical lead singer behavior 
Totally. He lashed out. He, <laughs> he lost his got to talking about his childhood. He completely lost his fucking mind. Someone brought up the flowery shirt. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just went off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. It wouldn't um, be the first time you should have seen Sean Paul when he came on here. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Shit flying everywhere. Jesus. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, back to the point is um, there are spaces that you can't really get rid of that you better yeah. learn how to use the right way. Um, you know, it would be nice if, if we could go and not have had the past that we've had. Yeah. Not not have learned the bad lessons or formed those neural paths that are less than um how do we say attractive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's frustrating though, isn't it? Because I feel like there's there's a huge part, especially from like a personal point of view, where I've spent a huge part of my life living it a certain way, and now I feel like I've hit 30 and now I'm trying to unpick <laughs> the way I've lived <laughs> the past 30 years to hopefully kind of live better but obviously until well for as long as i'm here that's the thing you've got you're stuck with yourself so you yeah. might as well learn remake uh yourself in a way that you like you know yeah um and that's where the responsibility comes in you know um therapy is work uh there's uh, lots of people who belong on and are or benefit from medication i have nothing yeah. to say about that but i also in my own life it's been um a sort of um a responsibility exercise a diligence yeah. that's required when i go into my therapist's office i i need to be prepared i need to have done my homework tell her things i'm embarrassed about that are yeah. that make me look like a real piece of shit and say what I'm doing wrong. Hear it come out of my mouth. Yeah. Figure out why it's happening. Try and find a new circuit to run instead. You know? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's, it's an incredibly vulnerable and brave thing to do, though, isn't it? Because you know, when people talk about therapy, you think like, oh, you know, you're lying on a couch and there's someone sat in the corner like kind of like this kind of old school mentality where I feel like a lot of people would benefit from it before they realize that they actually need it. Sure. Well, that's the nature of blind spots, right? Yeah. So like you're running through your life and you're in your mid twenties and you think you're finally figuring something out. <clears throat> um, but there's so much that you can't see 
and yeah. about your own behavior and about the responses that you've learned to the world and um <clears throat> you know parenting is a thing as well although they're 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 people too like imperfect and and so on so um i prefer to take it from scratch you know i was listening to uh there's a sting song you're talking about songs that you listen to when you're big lovers <laughs> yes yeah. yeah he has an album called the soul cages which is my favorite that's that's the big one for me and um uh it's a concept record about loss of faith and atheism and departing from the patterns that you were taught by those who came before you uh stepping off of the paved road yeah uh of your forebears and and um becoming a new kind of uh in his case sumner you know his last name so um <clears throat> you are going to be lost for some time because you stepped off of whatever you know and you're trying to find something to be that is unfamiliar but better right yeah so <clears throat> that's therapy get ready to not know yourself for a while when you abandon it and start forming new neuropaths and new responses um are you happy that you did it are you happy oh, oh yeah. i'm obviously doing I'm, it yeah. i'm probably alive because i did it wow wow no joke no joke i was suicidal in high school i uh i was having those feelings again around 2009 wow um that's when i got into therapy and uh i had um uh <clears throat> adapted what the the trappings of my surroundings were sort of like um just power through it suck it up in your world it would be yeah. stiff upper lip kind of yep. thing that's what um, we do as brits carry on in quiet desperation and all that um, that's the one and, and i uh i was um it wasn't working <laughs> turns, <laughs> turns out it doesn't <laughs> turns out it doesn't work like that <clears throat> i'm not i'm not uh i'm not a hater of stoicism yeah um i admire people and consider myself one people who can uh power through something and and get the job done and and uh invent a new way to complete the task if there isn't one obvious you know um even under duress even if the working conditions are less than optimal i can tolerate a ton of abuse right like the jobs that i had when i was a teenager you know i mean the the guys i respect the most the guys at the at the fish market yeah the first the first time i cut a tuna they came up behind one guy came up behind me and said you cut another one like that i'm gonna drown you in the fucking lobster tank you know like i love how your your voice slightly changes when you well, go that's, back to that's those memories said. that's what he said you know uh, <laughs> but that's the thing that's when i grew up when i was 16 years old i had a thick yeah. Long island new york accent and i spoke the language and i and i walked the walk and i was um you know a pretty tough little kid you know yeah. um and not all in a good way you know there's yeah. lots of there's lots of cool stuff about being tough or being able to hack difficult search situations and there's also a ton of toxic bullshit that comes with that that you're going to spill onto other people because you don't know you're an asshole you know that's that's reality too so no i you i relate to that i feel i feel the <laughs> feel that one <laughs> with I'm a, I'm a big believer i mean music is one of my biggest coping mechanisms whereas i also like to journal and you know i tend not to do the generic things that quite a lot of people do like the walks and stuff like that but i mean they're great techniques that people use you know when things get a little bit much what is there anything else Cause i imagine music is an outlet for you sure 
Um, but is there anything else that you kind of lean on when things do get a little bit much that kind of gives you that space? Uh, BMX biking. Uh, just wow. Physical, okay. Yeah. The application of physical energy towards something you can control. Um, for that matter, guitar is the same thing. Yeah. It's a bit more sophisticated than BMX biking, but you get the point. Um, it's a bit safer. Right. <laughs> what depends that you just do both <laughs> well, at the know, same time. Yeah, you've been on tour. <laughs> yeah. Our documentary is actually called "You Might Die." Um, but uh, but the uh, um, I clean the kitchen sometimes. I'll do the washing. Yeah. I do the I do the dishes on the bus too. When we're on tour, um, I have a terrible time winding down for bed. It's yeah. almost impossible for me. Um, best if I can watch some some good story for a few, for a little while long enough to yeah. just stop the clock jittering, you know. Um, yeah. Dishwashing is another thing. Um, Do you know I, what I'm going to say? This, Brendan. Yeah. You're the first person that has come on this show that has actually spoke about a coping mechanism being like something like a household thing. I, when I things get a little bit much, I, I do the ironing. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, so, and literally I've been doing this for three years. You're the first person who's come on. And like, I, I get that completely because I'm not, I'm not thinking about anything else other than I, I need my, I need it to look a certain way. Yeah. It's about being out of control, right? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> you're spun. You can't get your head or your hands or your energies around the thing that you're really wound up about. Yeah. So you have to let that pressure out. You have to release the the valve by actually doing something that you can control. Yeah. In my life, early on, control issues, lots of – there was a PTSD event, and it was yeah. – really something that i was i never talked about until very 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 much later and it was emerged immersed in and surrounded by lots and lots of other less yeah. serious ptsd events and i uh i was using guitar as a control mechanism that i became addicted to right i was controlling uh, okay. yeah. something i was manipulating the strings i was making a sound come out it was a universe that i that was entire i was a god of that universe no matter how stumbly or clumsy i was trying to learn a song it was still me doing yeah. it nobody could say anything nobody could interfere nobody could come in and and redirect and that evolved into my general approach to music which is why i kept the demoing process for Weedus secret for close to four years. Um, I was writing and recording the first album by myself, not showing anybody yeah. on a four track with a drum machine and a bass controlling all the elements. Much later in life, in my 20s, the earlier version of that is playing guitar in my mother's living room on Saturdays yeah. and Sundays. But um, <clears throat> eventually that, that you know, I, I succeeded with a, a song or two, as you mentioned, but the mechanism that brought it to bear was this ancient control dynamic that was not necessarily putting me in a good place with my music. My music was, had become or, or was always yeah. a, um, a, a weapon, a, you know, a tool for controlling the universe and my immediate surroundings. And having to... Unra unravel that in my adulthood and reapply it in a positive way. It's been a pretty complex challenge. It's still yeah. ongoing. I work much slower than I used to, you know, 
I used to um, I used to be able to stay up for three days and and do music and not wow. sleep. I was and I was not good for me. I wasn't putting my health first. No, yeah, I was putting my control uh, instinct first. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it, and to the world, as you've said, as people who have taken Teenage Dirtbag and made it their own and yeah. taken it away from us live, which is really fun. It seems like a super positive thing, but it has a very toxic side to it that I've yeah. been working sort of really, it's really complicated. It's like, it's like trying to, you're trying to parse your nerves, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get the good bits separated from the bad bits and they're all interwoven and confused. Yeah. And that's, that's also the nature of therapy, um, talk therapy anyway. So, um, Honestly, thank you for one for sharing that. This might be a bit of a personal question, but I, I mean this from like, because you've, you've said a few things there that have kind of really hit home for me. Mm. And obviously you're probably not familiar, but like this podcast was born out of a very difficult event for me where my mom very much nearly died, which is now in a neurological care home going through extensive rehab and kind of, I mean, she'll never come home. She might not be able to be able to walk again. And I put these episodes out as a form of therapy, like to connect with people. And there's a point of it where, you know, some of them do quite well when you get like a bit of praise and you could, people are like, oh yeah, it's helped me do this. But there's still a huge part of me that's like, I'm still struggling. Like I'm still feeling all these emotions, is, which is the reason why I started it. Mm. And I feel like you've just kind of articulated it in a way that I felt like I'm not on my own hearing the way that you've kind of just spoken, the, like, especially with Teenage Dirtbag and stuff, that I feel like, ah, okay. Yeah. It's well, valid. Well, I'm glad. But I, also, I have to say, um, Waffle Shop could go to the top of the charts, be the most popular podcast in the world, and you will still feel that way. Yeah. There is no degree of success um, or failure, for that matter, that will shake your purpose in this which is not entirely conscious on your part yeah perhaps and uh that's okay you know as long as the unconscious parts don't become so toxic to others or yourself yeah that you just keep grinding down but um that's a really hard thing to uh craft a sophisticated yeah. approach out of you know it's very hard. It might be impossible, no, and I'm not trying to be hopeless. But no, know. no, but you, you, I, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. Right. Um, <clears throat> how old were you, if you don't mind me asking, when uh, when it happened? Um, so when I when it happened, I was 27. Um, so I was in that stage of like, I'm saving. I'm going to move out. I'm going to go traveling. I'm doing this. Then all of a sudden, it was like, bam. Life is on hold. I've got to obviously sort of being, but not necessarily the this is why it kind of struck a chord because I felt like I had to be in control of that situation where it took me about two years to realize I can't be in control of this situation because regardless of what's going to happen it's going to happen whether I'm here there or I, that it's completely out of my control so that's when I kind of well the podcast started because it was an outlet for me to kind of I can control this I can control right. like what's happening um, so that kind of thing I can really relate to on this uncertain levels. I think it's easy to, and I envy the people who can, 
um, have a sort of lighthearted approach to the concept of existence and life and purpose yeah. and these things. And in some sense, I feel like I was fortunate to have those things shattered severely when I was younger yeah. and never have depended on them ever. And um, I think that there are people who survive all the way into adulthood with, I don't want to call it rosy glasses, but sort of an un... Oh, no, 100%. Un, I've got, I've got friends like that. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. An untainted sense of existence. Um, but uh, uh, not being one of them and knowing that you're not either, um, I think that just um, it's important to not forget that your approach is different because of that. Yeah. You know, like to everything. I make toast differently than other people. <laughs> what? You know, how like, dare like, you? Like it's, Do it's, not come it's... on this. You come on the British podcast and tell me that <laughs> you make morning, toast differently. <laughs> this morning, my girlfriend Gabrielle and I were, she was making food for the dogs and breakfast, and I was trying to butter the toast. And we have this tiny little countertop, not enough room. And I was holding a plate with the eggs in one hand and a knife, a butter knife in the other. And there was the big vat of butter. And I thought I need a third hand to get this out. So I took the knife and I stabbed right through the bottom of the butter, turned it upside down and walked over to the sink with it and put it back down. And she, she looked at me like I was nuts, right? And rightly so, I was, I was improvising. You adapted and you overcame. Solution. Yeah, a, a very crude solution. <laughs> <laughs> to that, to that to that issue of not having a third hand and I, I I in some sense like the notion that I would be waylaid by having to put this plate down it just doesn't make any sense right no 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 we're just gonna really here, exact we go, same we thing the, you know right so and I think that that makes you that's that's a big difference that's you're different from other people yeah um and uh you know th the problem is is what you don't know yeah you know that's the problem. I think it does. T it takes those moments and those kind of like pivotal kind of moments in people's life to make you realize like it's okay to be different. It's okay I didn't react the way someone else did. It's okay that I didn't quite, you know, adapt as quickly or I didn't adapt, you know, or I, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying with that, but like I, it's okay not to be. Yeah. Can I come like everyone else? It yeah, is, definitely. It is, it is okay. And in, in, in acknowledging that it's okay, you have to also acknowledge that it's okay because you know that it might be better and it could also be worse. Yeah. Right? And that just because you've improvised an approach or you have a quirk or you have some kind of learned response that might not be healthy on its surface, your brain's trying to protect itself from something. Right? Yeah. This is the protective mechanism and you might need to throw it out right it might be pure trash you might also find that it's given you maybe a little bit of a better more efficient or holistic view on something that you wouldn't normally have so if you can go in there and perform the surgery the neurological surgery of removing the super toxic stuff and letting the solution remain you know like letting it letting the adaptive positivity remain while eliminating the adaptive negativity 
but keeping it for a rainy day because you don't like to be a total optimist. Right. Like, like, <laughs> like, um, it's it's tricky. Once once you're no done, one's that happy all that time. Right, right, right. I worry not, about I, those people. They're the ones that go home and like kicks the cat or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> That's really worrying. But it's bastards. true. <laughs> yeah. You cheery bastard cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've yeah, I've absolutely loved this. But there's there's a few final few final questions that sure, I need yeah. to ask. Yeah. So you've come from a very musical family. You've created you know songs that to be fair there's one thing actually that i've I, that really bothers me with wheatus it's that i don't ever remember learning the words to teenage dirtbag but for some reason i've always known them yeah apologies Why? again well you know uh they call it an earworm for a purpose i i i you know did you ever see the wrath of khan the star trek film where they drop this strange little space creature that goes in your ear and wraps itself around your... Is that what you have been doing? I mean, in some <laughs> sense, you know, Teenage Dirtbag was designed to be a weapon that would go through the music industry and undo whatever barriers or gatekeeper bullshit there was or take care of the management issue and the lawyer issue. And, and um, it's a weaponized piece of, of entertainment. It's too long, too. That's the other thing. It's a, minutes, it's a piece of art. It's a piece of art. That's right. what it is. It should be yeah. hanging in the Louvre next art, to art the fair. families there. Not warfare, art fair. Yeah. Um, right. So obviously, you, you come from a musical background. You've created those songs that get people on the dance floor. When it comes to getting Brendan on the dance floor, I mean, you might not be a dancer, but like, what song needs to be playing for you to get the, get the foot tap in? Anything from Prince. We'll do it. oh yes okay uh, it's, it's instantaneous and in particular the look you know the song the look what what a yes God. raspberry beret raspberry Bar um, um yes alphabet street i mean like it just it like there's so many instantaneous you hear the first yes beat, the first downbeat the first kick drum you're running onto the onto the dance floor it's got i feel like that would i would die for you i still feel like it's go. like some weird it's not obviously not like a a big kind of like dancey song but i still feel like i, I could throw some shapes to it no if you, if prince doesn't make you dance your brain might be broken so go get it checked okay that makes me feel so much better thank you for that. <laughs> so <laughs> my next question is you've kind of already answered it um with like and sting and obviously you're saying like you you kind of you explore those feelings when things do get a little bit much but like is there a song that you feel like was potentially written for you or is there a song that kind of brings out the emotion um or an album even there are tons there are tons and tons uh willie nelson uh did a song on one of his records called uh i'd have to be crazy and then in parentheses to fall out of love with you um that's I'm adding that to the like, playlist. That feels like me. That feels yeah. like me singing. You know, I sing that song and I feel like I'm singing it. Um that's one of them. Um one of my childhood memories before I knew what the song was about and this sort of like naive uh instinct of like, oh, this is the, the the one was Buffalo Soldier by by um Bob Marley. Bob Marley, yeah. Um just the the when those horns come in at the beginning yeah. da, 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 da. and it's just like 
that was it. Like I was like, oh, that's the one. And I was very, very young, you know, five, four or five years old. Don't you just um, love how music does this though? Oh man. Just like bur burns you. It burns you. You know, it's, it's not a tattoo. It's a, it's a, it's a brand. It's an you know? imprint. It's yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Um, what else? Other ones, songs I wish I wrote, like. Oh, okay. Like, That's a good one. Um, boy uh man that's tough because there are just too many um ani defranco's dilate i don't know if you've ever heard that song no but check, again check, add check to the playlist out. yeah the song dilate is incredible untouchable face is another one on that record yeah Napoleon. um <clears throat> yeah uh i like i really like this paul simon song proof which is on rhythm of the city I'm a um, big You Can Call Me Al fan. Yeah. And Diamonds uh, on the Sole of Her Feet. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that record, the, the Graceland record, is, is, mm -hmm. uh, is a masterwork. But the one that came after it in, I think, 1990 or 91, it's called Rhythm of the Saints. And it's just incredible. It's not as popular. So I'd really quite like to go for a beer with you. Yeah. <laughs> next time. Next time. Next time. We're is that Dray? Okay, then. Is, is there plans? So, yeah. Uh, autumn. 2023 looks like we're in the UK for I'm trying for about 45 Stop. shows. Yeah, yes. I'm, try, I'm trying going for the I'm going for the fences, man. I, I really would like to get as many shows in as we possibly can. We used to tour like that. We used to play 45 shows in 43 days. Yeah. You know, we were we were crazy. Um, mostly it was driven by money because once you're yeah. in, in the country you've spent so much to get there you've got to make it back make so, it back yeah yeah right some days off are like you know who needs those <laughs> totally um, them but uh you know and uh do do ireland and and uh, northern ireland and and the uh the european continent that would be that would be my perfect dream to end 2023 on yes in the autumn yeah i'm gonna hold you to that yeah trying to trying to i'm working on it right now <laughs> not right this minute right now <laughs> he hasn't just been listening to a word i've said my yeah. agent, you know sorry <laughs> it's okay no one listens to me it's great <laughs> <laughs> i'm just grateful you turned up <laughs> honestly you have been an absolute dream to have a waffle with like i've i've laughed i've like learned and more importantly i've got more songs now to add to the playlist so honestly Thank you so much for joining me for a waffle. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a treat. Let's keep in touch seriously on the side. Hundred um, percent. Get the email going so we we can exchange information and uh, and keep in touch. Let's do that. <laughs> no, I think I'm gonna like. I think I'm gonna combust us. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> okay. So don't get excited. I haven't done it yet. So we gotta figure okay, out. Okay. Sorry. Got to improvise a solution here. Let me tune up and make sure that we do it uh, uh, so that the royal family would approve or whatever. <laughs> Big fans of the show, by the way. Big fans of oh, yeah? the yeah. Royal Phil Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see what we get here. I'll aim the guitar and the mic in a better spot and see what we get. Okay. Okay, let me think about this. <laughs> Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to the waffle shop 
chance you get <laughs> okay. there you go. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You've been listening to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and even leave a review. It means the world to me. See you soon.